How are we doing this evening? Awesome to be here with you. Um, and uh, I wonder if we could uh, if we could just put up that uh, that convergence uh, slide r- really quickly. We we had an amazing time at the at the World Conference, um, Orlando, Florida, and it was amazing. One of the the the, the key things. Key things. Key things. Was being able to worship together with over 80 nations represented in the room. Thousands of people worshiping Jesus. It was amazing to have conversations with people from absolutely all over the world. uh, Painting a vision for what it looks like for us to reach unreached nations uh, celebrating the work that God has been doing. And uh, just as we've been reflecting on, on, on some of that, the, these are uh, two key leaders who were represented uh, at the World Conference, Jim LaFoon, who is uh, the senior prophet in every nation global. This man uh, has cultivated incredible intimacy uh, with God, hears God's word with great accuracy, and releases the move of the Spirit wherever he goes. And so we are privileged that he's going to be joining us for our Connect Convergence, which is happening this coming Saturday on the 3rd of August. We're also going to be receiving ministry from Pastor Gillian Davids. Pastor Gillian is our apostolic oversight over Every Nation Joburg and also now functions on the Apostolic Council, which is a council uh, that, that, uh, that consults uh, the Every Nation Global President, Steve Murrell. So these are heavy hitters that we're talking about, and we have the privilege of having them at our Connect Convergence. And so if you're a Connect leader and you've received uh, an invitation to join us, please make sure that you RSVP. If you're not a Connect leader and you're looking at that and you're thinking, man, I don't want to miss out on that, start a group this week. Start a group this week and join us on, on Saturday. Um, amen. Awesome. Please uh, find your way to the book of Jonah. We, we are going to uh, be kicking off a new series today. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the, the book of Jonah, just uh, various themes within, within the book of Jonah. One of, one of the things that we're going to be uh, uh, looking at today is, uh, is, is the difficulty uh, in answering the call. Uh, and so the themes go like this. Today, we're looking at it. It's too difficult Lord, I hear what you're saying, but it's too difficult. Uh, Next week, we're going to be looking at, uh, I am too broken. I see the mission. I see the mandate, but I am too broken. And the following week, we're going to be looking at two religious mindsets that hold us back um, from the purposes that God has called us for. So it's going to be be a really exciting uh, time through this series. I'm particularly uh, excited because I I feel like this, this series is one that is applicable to every single one of us. Uh, every single one of us in this room, I believe, can uh, relate to, uh, to Jonah. Have we found our way to the book of Jonah? Uh, if you're still trying to navigate, it's towards the end of, of the Old Testament. Um, amongst the minor prophets, so if you start hitting Matthew, you need to just go a little bit back. I don't know why you guys are laughing. I'm giving... tools here. I, I, I don't know. I was generally, you know, I've been, I was thinking, and even uh, during the worship, I was, um, I was saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't know if they're ready for me. I, I don't know. 
I don't know if you have prepared the way or if I'm going to have to knock down some doors here. Uh, but, but let's partner together. Let's decide to get... We, we might wrestle a little bit, right? There might be a flying kick here and there. Let's agree that at the end, by the time we walk out of here, we will be friends. Uh, we're starting as friends. The middle bit might be a little bit interesting, but we're going to end off as friends. Is that okay? If I, uh, if, if I, if I uh, step on your toe or I, or, I, or I hit you a little bit too hard, I want you to just shout amen. Um, we won't know why. If you're quiet, we'll assume it's because the word is eating you inside. Uh, so if you want to deflect a little bit, just go ahead and say amen. The, the, the story of, of, of Jonah, by the way, just by show of hands, who, who, how many of you would say that you are familiar with the story of Jonah? You, you could give me kind of a, an overview of what Jonah is about. <laughs> I'm not going to ask, don't worry. But Jonah, in fact, let's do this. Let's read, uh, let's read a little bit of Jonah. We're just going to focus on chapter 1. And so I'm going to read uh, the first chapter, if, you, if you'll allow me. I'm going to read it in my Bible. It may be slightly different than what's on, on the screen. Jonah chapter 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind. And by the way, let's just stop there quickly. I want to highlight something that uh, is already being repeated in the space of about three verses here. Maybe you've picked it up. That Jonah was running from the presence of the Lord. Um, and, uh, and, and, I, and I want you to pick up these, 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 uh, these repetitions and, and just notice the detail um, that, that, that is given in the story. So the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose, for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may, calm, may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. 
that's for Miss Columbia, the t- tempestuous. <laughs> that was just for you. <laughs> and he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Amen. Now, if we're going to navigate the story of Jonah, there there are a few things that we have to agree on. And we have to agree well let, let me let me put it this way i I often when i when i when I speak give will give tools so here, here's a here's a a, a, a tip or or, or, a, or a tool that you can use in terms of unpacking scripture so that could be Understanding the context of Scripture, uh, which is important. It's important for us to read Scripture and understand the context that, that the Scripture was written in, who it was written for, etc. It could be uh, uh, the laws of like first mention. So I want to understand the principle that was first set when this thing was mentioned. So I go to the first time that it was mentioned in Scripture, and then I work my way up to to to, get, to gain a better understanding. It could be taking taking into consideration things like progressive revelation. So I want to see how society after society gained insight on this matter as, as the Bible progresses so that I may gain a fuller knowledge. It, 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 it can be taking the, the whole counsel of Scripture into consideration when I, when I unpack Scripture so that I'm not, I'm not interpreting something in isolation. And all of these are so fundamental and so important. One, one thing that I want to highlight today is the importance of details. Details are important, uh, but details are important within context. So if we take details in isolation, it can get weird. But if we take detail and we understand it, so if you're, if you're going to go and you're going to read Scripture and you're going to read into things, you had better read into them within the bedrock of, what's, of the counsel of Scripture. And that's a safe space um, to navigate uh, and to and to uh, experiment and to and, and to really come to understand uh, what some of these scriptures have to offer us. So that's one of that. That's the first agreement that we have to make: is it's detailed, but it's detailed within context. The second agreement that we'll make if we're going to journey down this book of Jonah is that we are going to get more out of the book if we start with certain presuppositions. Now, the main presupposition that I want to put before you is that the book of Jonah is not about Jonah. What? 
but he's in the title and everything. I know. The book of Jonah, I want to submit to you, is a book about God. God is the hero of the story. God is the center of the story. God is, is the narrator of the story. And so, and so every other book that we read, in, in, uh, or every other book of the prophets that we read, we, we see that God comes and he speaks to this prophet, activates them, gives him the words to say, and then the prophet goes and declares, thus says the Lord, you have rebelled. And therefore judgment is coming. And another nation is coming and they will plunder your resources, maybe even carry you away. But at the appropriate time, I'll save you. And there'll be a future. And, and it's going to be awesome. And Jesus is going to come. Because God declares it. In the book of Jonah, God gives Jonah the words and Jonah runs away. And the rest of the book is detailing the consequences of Jonah running away. But what we need not miss is what every sentence, what every action, what every consequence tells us about God. That's how we read the book. And so when we see God coming and speaking to a man who's clearly broken and clearly has limited revelation of who God is, that tells us something about God. When we see Jonah running and God going after him, that tells us something about God. When we see God commanding the nature, commanding storms and, and the fish to swallow Jonah, we know something about God. When we see the eventuality of, of the story that Nineveh, the entire city of Nineveh, repenting before God, kings, and, and, and royalty, and servants, and cows, the book says, repented. That tells us something about God. And so the takeaway is understanding God's mercy, his love, his compassion, his, his wanting to be close to us, his, 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 his perseverance in, in, in working with us, his authority and power in, in the fact that we can't actually get away from him, his, his love for people that don't look like us, that are outside of the inner circle. The book of Jonah tells us that the love and the mercies and the compassions of God were never meant to be limited to the Israelites or to the Hebrews. They were for the world. The book of, of Jonah tells us that the blessings and the compassion and the mercy and the love of God today is not limited to you because you are a Christian. God will bless whom he blesses. He'll show compassion on whom he shows compassion. And you actually have no say in it. So, amen, <laughs> Jonah runs. So Jonah receives the word, and he doesn't like it, and he runs. Why does he run? Well, God comes to him and says, I am going to destroy the Ninevites. The evil has come up, has come up to me. I'm going to come, and I'm going to blot them out. These Ninevites, who are your enemies, these Ninevites were, were an Assyrian nation who were, were always at odds with the Israelites, right? And so they were an evil nation. They practiced all manner of idolatry. They persecuted and oppressed the Hebrews. They were an arch enemy of these people. So when 
Jonah receives the word from God that God is about to destroy the, 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 the Ninevites, this is good news for Jonah. And so the title of the series is the gospel according to Jonah. There's a play on words there. The gospel, the good news, which is what gospel means. The good news according to Jonah. So it's the good news according to the way that Jonah interprets it. And it's also the good news according to God as told through how he navigates with Jonah. And, and, and those part ways, and we'll see how that happens. See, the good news for Jonah was that the Ninevites would be destroyed. If the Ninevites are destroyed, my problems are destroyed. My persecutors destroyed. My oppressors destroyed. My enemies destroyed. The thorn in my flesh is destroyed. This is good news. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God says, yes, there's just one catch. You have to go and warn them. And, and, and exactly all that, this is Jonah's response. Lord, do you realize that if I warn them, they might repent? This is risky. Let's not do this. Just destroy them. And God is going, no, I will destroy them, but go and warn them. And so now, Jonah finds himself in this precarious situation where he is asked to create a way out for the enemy who would more likely than not turn around and, 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 and continue to oppress him. Now, for us to look at that, like we read the story and we're like, yo, yeah, Jonah, he was in a tough situation, hey? What would Jonah do? You know, it's like, <laughs> no, the question here that is leveled before you is what would you do? Further than that, what do you do every day of your life when God comes and he asks you to do things that you don't like to do? That you don't think are a good idea? What now, Jesus? You want me to put myself in a position that will prosper somebody who's clearly after my position? You want me to release content and ideas and, 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 and things that I've been, and research and empower other people so that they can be my competition? You want me to mentor these young and bright professionals who could very likely fast track right past me in, the, in our career growth path? Jesus. If I just stand back, if I just withhold, if I just do me and allow them to, to, to be destroyed, I prosper. Jesus, you want me to prosper. You like me, remember? I'm your child. I remember, I was, remember how I was fasting last week and remember how, how you know, I was in worship? I was the one jumping. That was me. But God would remind you that it's not actually about you. And that he will pour out his compassions on whom he will pour out his compassions. And so, and so Jonah was being driven by a narrow sense of patriotism. He was being driven by hatred and a bitterness from having very negative experiences with these people. He was also driven by a sense of being comfortable in a place of judgment. Because you see, Jonah found it palatable 
that he should decide that, that, that it is better for these people who are my enemies to be destroyed, blotted out, hopefully with fire and brimstone, than that they should be given an opportunity to repent. That seems more palatable to me, Jesus. Jonah, I love this, when he runs, the Bible tells us that, uh, that he decided he's going to get as far away from God as possible. And so he's going to jump on a ship that is going as far west as he can find to this, to this land called Tarshish. Now, there's a few ironies in this thinking. One, you would think that a prophet would, would have grappled with some ideas and realized that it doesn't matter how far west I go, I'm not going to get away from the presence of God. But what that, what that, what that exposes is that, is that Jonah was still growing in his revelation. So to him, he was applying the, moder- the, the contemporary thinking of the day, which was that gods were territorial gods. And so there was, a, there was a Hebrew god who occupied and had jurisdiction and authority over Hebrew land and Hebrew uh, concerns. And there was a Philistine god who, who held jurisdiction and authority over Philistine areas. And, and, and there was an Assyrian god, etc. And so he would just go into exile a little bit. He would remain a Hebrew, but he would just go into an area where his god couldn't influence. And God would set that straight a little bit. Se- second bit of irony is that, and I love this, that, that he was going to Tarshish. The word Tarshish means refinery. Right? This area was, was, was west, it was to the, to, it, it, geographically placed in the, in, in, in the area that would be the south of Spain currently. And so, and so it was an area famous for mineral resources. They would export things like tin and, and iron and, and, and silver. One of their main exports was silver that was beaten into plates. And so here's the irony. Jonah is running away from God and he's going to Tarshish, he's going to the refinery, he's going to the process of refinement. He never gets there, geographically speaking, but boy, does he get refined. God answers his request. You want some refinement? Oh, I got some refinement for you. You want, some pro- you want to go to the place of process? You want to go to the place of, of, of cultivating and smelting and beating and forming into something that is useful? I've got something for you. So you're never going to get to Tajish. You're never going to get to the actual place. But if you want refinement, I'll give you refinement. And so God sends a storm. And we know the story, right? So storm, He's in the fish for three days. He, he has, he's got a chance to kind of rework his thinking, and eventually he complies. But Jonah is, he's in, the, he's in, this, in this ship, and there's a storm. And what, is it, what does he do? Scripture tells us he, he, he decides that the best idea in this situation is to go down into the, in, into the bowels of the ship and to take a nap. I don't like where my decisions have led me. 
I don't like the consequences that I'm currently facing. So what am I going to do? I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to recede into the recesses of my consciousness so I don't have to see the consequences of my decisions. And so he goes into the bowels of the ship, but guess what? He doesn't see the storm, but he can hear it and he can feel it because the waves are crashing and they're tossing them to and fro. And so it's not enough that he receded into himself. It's not enough that he withdrew. He sleeps. He has to detach in order to not deal with reality. Who's in a storm right now? There's two ways that we see people dealing with, in, with, with the storm in the story. The sailors, the sailors realize this is a storm, it's hectic, it's threatening our lives, so they go into storm management mode. They start finding things in the ship and just start throwing them out. And the logic here is if we can be lighter, maybe we'll survive the storm. So what do they? They find the cargo in the ship and they start throwing out the cargo. Start throwing out the cargo. Quick, grab whatever you can and just throw it out. Throw it out. Let's think about this. You started a journey, calculated what it would take to get to the end of your journey, the resources, fuel, whatever else you're going to need to get from this point to that point, somewhere along the line, you encountered a storm, and the most logical thing for you to do was to throw out your resources, throw out the things that you had packed into the ship in order to get you to where you were going. Isn't that just how we deal with storms in our lives? We get desperate, and we start to do stupid things, and we throw out our resources, we throw out our money, we throw out our faith. We throw out our relationships. We throw out church. We throw out things that God has put into our lives to ensure that we achieve our purpose and our potential. And the logic is that we want to survive the storm. What happens when the storm is over? You've got nothing left with which to achieve your potential. And so we find ourselves in this place of a continuous dysfunctional cycle where we're always just trying to survive. <laughs> and, and what's Jonah doing? Jonah's sleeping. Jonah's sleeping. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I know a Jonah in my life. I know a Jonah or two. We're, we're in this because of your bad decisions. We're in a storm because of your bad decisions, because of your poor behavior, because of your negative habits. And how dare are you sleeping right now? You know those people who can just sleep through any dysfunction and you're sitting there wondering how we're going to survive and this person next to you is fast asleep? You're doing everything you can think of, laying your hands on anything and everything and throwing it out. Scripture says that they got tired, man. They threw out everything they could throw out. They got tired eventually. They're like, hey, Jonah, <laughs> Jonah, hey, what do you mean, sleeper? Vuga, <laughs> bye-bye. 
<laughs> We're in this mess because of you. Why am I the one dealing? And they shake him awake and said, hey, buddy, you better do something. You better do something. The rest of us are up here praying to any God we can think of. We're throwing stuff out. We run out of stuff to throw out. You better do something. And they wake him up. Because you see, that space, that space where we're in a storm, that we're, we're in relationships of whatever, I don't mind whatever relationship that is. It can be a, a, a work relationship or a friendship or a marriage or whatever the context is, but where, where you're in relationship with people who, who've learned how to be functional in dysfunction. And they know how to function in dysfunction. So they can go to sleep in the midst of dysfunction. You're stressing out. You're stressing out. You can't believe it. But they've learned how to function in that space. And, and we know those people. And, and if we tiptoe around the, these scenarios, and if we throw everything out before we will confront them, that's called enabling. It's called enabling. But at some point you have to say, man, this is not my storm. This is not my storm. If you were up and we were rowing together, that would be a different story. If we were trying to map out and navigate and read the stars or something, but I am not throwing another thing out until you wake up. I am not spending another cent until you wake up and face the fact that we're in a storm because of you. I am not losing another friend until you wake up and face the fact that we are losing friends and isolating because of you. So they're throwing out and they wake him up. And watch, watch Jonah's response. Jonah wakes up and now he has to face the music. See, let me tell you something. When you look at that storm, do you see judgment? Or do you see mercy? The answer to that question depends on how you see God. You can look at that and you can go, retribution, judgment, consequence, punishment. Or you can look at that and you can go, man. So if this guy, God could have allowed him to leave. Could have allowed him to go and get all the way to wherever he was going. And to hide there, maybe live out the rest of his days. And we would have never heard of Jonah. History would not have been impacted. But God doesn't allow him to forfeit his purpose. I would rather send a storm than to allow you to forfeit the riches that I've prepared for you. And the divine encounter that is just ahead. There is an entire city that is waiting to repent if you will just obey. If you will just trust, there are miracles, there are supernatural, there are wonder works waiting for you just around the corner if you would stop running from God, Jonah. So Jonah wakes up and he faces the storm because, man, there's no choice now. The people around him are not letting him get away with this anymore. And so they say, you got a deal. And now he's facing the storm and watch his response. He says, yo. Guys, throw me over. I've thought it through. I've turned it over in my head. Throw me over. 
at face value, that seems, wow, buddy. You're willing to take the hit for us? Noble Jonah, stop it. (laughs) Nothing noble. Jonah had options. Jonah knew why the storm was there. Jonah knew why he was in trouble. And as a result, why everybody else was in trouble, he could have repented. He could have repented. He could have fell down on his knees. He could have called upon God. He could have obeyed. But he chose rather to arm wrestle to the last. And if it, if it means I'm going to jump, then so be it. When you're faced, when people around you are tired of the storm that you're causing in their lives and they wake you up to the fact you have a decision. You can either play the martyr or you can deal. You can either decide to face up and to go, yes, it is because of me. I recognize the habits and the decisions and the poor behavior that have gotten us to this point and I'm willing to make a change. Lord, help me. Or you can go, you know what? I'm done. Just throw me over. I'm not willing to face to face the music, throw me over. Even as he said that, it was the most nonsensical thing to say. These heathen, pagan sailors looked at each other and thought, this guy is... So they just kept on rowing. Like, we'll, we'll, like let's wait for somebody else with a better idea. Like, <laughs> Honestly, you know? Until they realize, man, we have one of two options here. Either we leave the boat, or this guy leaves the boat. And I can just see them having a little bit of a caucus there going, guys, we don't want to kill this guy. But if he stays on, then we all die. Let's let down the little, the little dinghies, the little rowboats, and let's, and let's row and try and find an island. And Yeah, let's do that. And somebody goes, hang on, guys. Hang on. Hang on. Wait. wait. Why, why, am, why are we leaving the boat? It's our boat. <laughs> Let this guy leave the boat. Sometimes there are storms, friends, that you have to navigate and, and traverse and find your way through. But every so often, you're going to have to caucus and to say, hang on a moment. It's my boat. I picked you up at the docks. I was going where I was going, and you decided to jump on board. And as a result, I find myself in a storm. Buddy, if somebody's going to leave, you had better pack your bags. It's my boat. Every now and then. Unless it's in the context of marriage. <laughs> in which case, it's his boat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Make a plan. <laughs> Last thing. They, they throw Jonah out. And the storm subsides. But God, being God, remember God, the main character, the hero, does not allow Jonah to die. Why? God could have raised up another prophet to go and preach to the Ninevites. In fact, clearly the Ninevites didn't really need that much preaching to. Jonah went and preached, and we'll we'll talk about it next week, but Jonah went and preached, 
and, and, and it was, I mean, it was the summary of a sermon. <laughs> summary of a sermon. And they all repented. They didn't need much preaching. They were there. They were here. So why did God save him? Because God would not allow Jonah to die in his rebellion. Because if Jonah died in his rebellion, then he remained forever an enemy of God. And, and so God sends a fish and he saves him. There are some of you here, Jonas, who have put God in a position where he has to call up fish, storms, sailors, pagans, heathens, thunderstorms, just so that he can get your attention. Because you're fighting and fighting and fighting to have your way. And, and, and you're carrying rebellion because God has called you and you're refusing to answer. And, and, and you're pushing in your own direction. And God will resist your rebellion until you get it. So, 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 so Jonah got to a point where he got it. If you read chapter 2, he, got, he, he starts to pray and he realizes, oh man, God, regardless of where I go, you're there. I can't get away from you. You're the Almighty and you saved me. And, he, and there's all this gratitude and, and the fish spits him out and he goes and, and he preaches. But God spared him until he got it. The moment you get it, that's the moment of accountability. Because now you're set up to make a decision. So God can block your rebellion and bring things and, 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 and even like supernaturally just kind of block your stupidity. But there comes a point where he's going, I think you get it now. Have at it. And if you persist in your rebellion, then you will live in your rebellion and you will die in your rebellion, and you will remain now and forevermore an enemy of God. Can we stand to our feet? I want to I want to pray for you specifically if you know that you're carrying rebellion. You know that God has invited you, has extended an invitation that you are yet to respond to. So you understand all this stuff about Jonah received a word and he ran from God and he grew in revelation with God, but you know that you are a little bit further back that you haven't yet established that relationship with God. You may never have had the opportunity to make a decision to commit your life to Jesus. Or you may have made that decision and you found it too difficult, too costly, and maybe you ended up withdrawing from Him. I want to pray for people who are wanting to make a decision tonight. I'm done running and I surrender my life to you, Jesus. If that is you, would you raise your hands to the heavens as I pray for you? 
I'm done running. Raise them up proper. Like, this is not a timid moment. This is not a, and I'm ashamed moment. This is an, I'm doing business with Jesus moment. This is a, I don't care who's to my left or to my right moment. I care only that I kneel at the cross. And I make a decision to finally surrender my life to Jesus. Tired of fighting. Tired of rebelling. Tired of wrestling him. Will against will. Now, Jesus, it's your will. If your hands are raised, I want to pray for you. Would you come up to the front? Would you grab your belongings and come up to the front? All those who are tired of fighting, come up to the front. You're tired of fighting. Tired of having your own way. Tired of being an enemy of God. Come to the front now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We can celebrate this moment better than that. We can glorify God in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You guys are really, really brave. This is a bold step. And I want to pray for you. Would you repeat after me this prayer? And we'll pray together because this is a family moment. Just say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I am so tired of fighting. You win. Have your way in my life. I repent. I am sorry for my rebellion, for my pride, for my sin. Forgive me. Cleanse me in your blood and make me a new creature. I declare that the old is gone and the new has come. I ask you to be my Lord, my King, and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.